Hello, my friends. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Pastor Christopher Allam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you are doing well. We are in the subject of the blood covenant. And right now we are nearing the end of this subject, maybe a couple of lessons more. And we are talking about the uh, blessings of the new covenant. Uh, we talked about the old covenant and now we are talking about the blessings of the new covenant. And so we have gone through, uh, you know, the blessings of the new covenant that correspond to what God had promised the Israelites in the old covenant. But now we have a couple of things that you have in the new covenant that they did not have in the old covenant. So I call them new covenant blessings that are far beyond anything found in the old covenant. And the first of all, the, the first of these is the new birth or the new creation in Christ Jesus. There was no such concept in the old covenant about a new birth and a new creation in Christ Jesus. And uh, here we, we are talking about, um, you know, about the new birth, the new creation, that there was nothing like that in the old covenant. And the first scripture I want to share with you is from John chapter 1, uh, verses 10 to 13. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So um, it says that Jesus came to the world, and although the world was made by him, the world did not recognize him, did not know him. That's what it means. He was in the world. God who created the world, Jesus himself, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world did not know him. And then it says, he came unto his own and his own received him not. And this could be uh, referring to the people of Israel, that he came to his own, his own people, God's chosen people, but his own people did not receive him, but they crucified him. But it says, but as many as received him, that means that beyond Israel, the Gentiles, the, uh, the heathen, as many as received him, that means every man, woman, or child who did receive him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Hallelujah. And that's where you fit in. We were not God's people. God's people were Israel, of course, under the old covenant, and we were outsiders, but we did receive him. So he came to his own and the world. He came to the world. The world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, but his own didn't receive him. But as many as received him, that means that wherever the gospel was preached, or is being preached, wherever the gospel is being preached. Um, out, you know, the gospel was first preached to the Jews, and uh, and then and then after that, it went it went out to the heathen because uh, uh, in the beginning, the apostles, them being Jews, you know, they somehow had this idea that only only Jews could be saved. So they preached the gospel to the Jews, and um, and those who. Uh, uh, you know, they used to worship in the temple at the same time. They, that's where they used to go, worship uh, in, in, in the temple and in the synagogues. And they used to keep the Jewish law. They did. And then about 10 years later, we talk about Acts 10. Acts 10 was about 10 years 
uh, after uh, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That when the first Gentile received Jesus and that was when Peter went to the house of Cornelius and he did this by divine revelation because, you know, remember this vision he had, he saw a vision in which there was a big sheet that descended from heaven and there were all kinds of animals in it and God said, kill and eat. And Peter said, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. And then the Lord said to him, don't call anything that I call clean as unclean. And this uh, revelation had uh, had a double meaning. The first meaning, of course, was that uh, uh, that because at that time the Gentiles were considered to be unclean. The, so the first understanding of this was that that uh, the Gentiles are no more unclean. Anybody can be saved, whether they were Jews or Gentiles. No nation, no human being is unclean because they can all be saved. Uh, you know, unclean in the sense that they're outsiders. Everybody can be saved. And secondly, is that no animal is unclean because the Jews had strict uh, dietary laws in the Old Testament. You couldn't eat shellfish, you couldn't eat pork, and you know, there was the, all these things. So what, what God was saying is that no animal is unclean. Every animal can be eaten and that no human race or nation, no human being is unclean. So, uh, so that's when Peter went to the house of Cornelius and he preached the gospel. And as he preached the gospel, the Holy Spirit came down and they were all baptized with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. And after that, they were baptized in water. And I believe there's a, there was a reason why the Holy Ghost fell like that and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Because if that hadn't happened and Peter, uh, first of all, what Peter was doing, going into the house of a Gentile person was something that the apostles in Jerusalem would have frowned upon because the Gentiles were unclean. So first of all, he went into the home of Cornelius, who was a heathen. So going to his house was not right. And then preach the gospel to them. You don't do that. You preach only to the Jews. And because in their understanding, only Jews could be saved. And, and secondly, even if he had done an altar call and they would have received Jesus and been baptized, uh, they, the, you know, there would have been a debate whether this was legitimate or not. But the fact that they got baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, you know, an altar call a man can do. Baptize in water a man can do. But to, to uh, you know, for the Holy Ghost to come down on anybody and him speaking in tongues, that is nothing a man can do. That's a pure act of God. So that was a sign to them that now Gentiles can also be saved. And then when the apostles did call in Peter and asked him to give an explanation, so he, he explained to them what had happened. And then the Bible says that the praise God, that God had destined that even the Gentiles could now be saved. So it's, it's very interesting if you, if, you, if you look at how the gospel went. But the fact is that what, this is what he's saying, that as many as received him. So he's talking about those who are outside of the commonwealth of Israel. Of course, this scripture can be applied to anybody, Jew or Gentile. But in this context, he's talking about the Gentiles because he came to his own, his own people and his own did not receive him, but they rejected him and crucified him. But he says, but as many as received him. And my point is that doesn't matter who these people are, whether they are they're Africans or they're South Americans or they're Chinese or Japanese or Arabs or Jews or, or Europeans or, you know, whoever, whatever their race is, whatever, uh, you know, they are, whatever their ethnicity or language or tribal affiliation is, 
all that to receive him, as many as received him, that every man, woman, and child who received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed in his name. That means everybody who believed in the name of Jesus became a son of God. And then this is not an honorary sonship or it is not just like sometimes people say, how are you doing son? You know, they don't mean that the person is his son. It's just a, a figure of speech or you say to someone, oh, he's like a son to me, but he's not like a son. You won't do anything for him. You won't do any more for him than you do for your own son. But he's not talking about that kind of sonship. He says to become, become the sons of God, even to those who believe in his name. Then he says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That means those who receive Jesus become the sons of God, not in the natural, not of blood, not of the will of the human flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That means every man, woman, and child who receives Jesus Christ becomes a son or a daughter for that matter, a son of God who is actually born by God, born of God. And this new birth in Christ Jesus is as real as the natural birth through which I was born of my mother. I was born to, uh, into this world of my mother, but the new birth that Jesus gives to me is just as real as that first natural birth. So that means that they are actually born of God. Now, this is a blessing you didn't have the old, in the old covenant that a man or a woman in this world can actually experience a new birth, a second birth, and be born of God like the first uh, birth, you were born of a man and a woman, your father and your mother, but this new birth, you can be born of God himself and become a son of God. Hallelujah. So that the DNA of God lives in you and you become a partaker of the divine nature. This is, uh, this is something that, uh, 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 that you don't find in the old covenant. And second Peter says that we are partakers of the divine nature, that through the promises of God, we become partakers of the divine nature. That means the divine nature is the nature of God. And as sons of God, we receive the nature of God and we partake of that nature. So we are people with a two nature, two natures. In the flesh, we have a human nature. That is the Christopher Alam, you know, in the flesh, who I am in the natural, that is my human nature. But I have another nature, which is a divine nature. And that divine nature is the nature I have received from God, my father, when I was born again. My human nature I received from my parents when I was born into this world. But this divine nature I received from God as a gift of his grace when I received Jesus Christ, my Lord. So with these two natures, what do I do? Well, let me tell you what. The first nature, the old nature, the human nature, that has to be crucified. That has, that is my flesh that has to be crucified. But this divine nature, I have to grow into the fullness of this divine nature. And when I, as I grow in, in this divine nature, I become more and more like Jesus and less and less 
than myself. And so we, we, we develop, we grow into this. You cannot develop the, uh, the divine nature, but we develop in it and we grow into the fullness of what God has done for it through, through the word of God, by obedience to the word and by yielding to the word of God and uh, by, by, by walking and living in the spirit and through spending time in fellowship with God and you know all those wonderful things as we do those things we grow and and develop into our divine nature so this is a a gift that you don't find a promise you don't find in the old covenant this new birth or this new creation that we have in Christ so let's look at second corinthians chapter 5 verses 18 to 19 it says for the love of christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all then we're all dead so the love of christ it tells us this that and this is how we judge that means this is how we look at things you know we have this is how we as christians should judge or this is how we should look at things this is the conclusion we must always come to and not just treat it yeah it's a spiritual truth but my real life the reality is this no in god's eyes this is the reality and the reality is this that if one died for all then were all dead that means when jesus died for you and me i died on the cross when he died I died. That means I died to sin. I died in my relationship to the devil. I died to the things of this world. That is why that is what it means to live the crucified life. The crucified life because upon the cross Jesus died on the cross. So when people talk about the crucified life, it is not self-flagellation or self-torture. The crucified life actually means to reckon yourself dead at the death of Christ, that we share the death of Christ, that when Jesus died upon the cross, I died together with him and I died to the devil. I died to the sin. I, I died to worldliness. All these things I died to. When did I die? I died with Jesus upon the cross. And then it says, verse 15, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So Jesus died for all of us so that we who live, we should not live for ourselves, but unto him who died for us. So let me tell you, there's preachers in America preaching about how to be a better you. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of so-called Christian books and Christian psychology that affirms the self, affirming you. You know, you are wonderful. You are special. And, and you know, you just need, listen, you are a nobody. Paul said in my flesh is nothing good. You got to be crucified. You got to die so that Christ may live in you. So all this nonsense about affirming you and me so that I am special and I got to develop my this thing and I got to become this, that and the other. All that is nonsense. The Bible doesn't say a lick about these things. What the Bible says that we, our, our flesh should be crucified and we should be, uh, our, our old man has to be crucified. It says that Jesus died for us so that we henceforth should not live unto ourselves. It's not about me. It's not about me being a better me. It's not about me realizing myself. It's not about 
me being this and me being that. Listen, it's not about you and me, but God's plan is that we who live should live for Jesus who died for us and, and, and rose again. And that is the crucified life. The crucified life means that I reckon myself dead with Christ and the crucified life. The next step is that I live unto Jesus who died for me and who rose again. Jesus Christ died for me and he rose again from the dead. So from now on, I'm not living my life for myself anymore, but I'm living for Jesus because he died and he rose again from me. Then it says, wherefore henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. That means we don't look at a man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth, we know know we him no more. That means that we don't look at people after the flesh. Why? It says we even knew Jesus in the flesh because you see when Jesus walked on the earth, um, the disciples knew him by in the flesh. Now Paul didn't know Jesus in the flesh. He didn't know Jesus in the flesh because he, he, he got to know Jesus after the Lord had, had ascended to heaven. But he's reckoning himself as those who knew him. He says, we all knew him after the flesh, but we don't know Jesus after the flesh anymore. Because the disciples, they ate with him, they walked with him, they slept with him. Everywhere they, he went, they went, so they knew him in the flesh. But he says, we don't know him after the flesh because we now know Jesus after the spirit. Then, then he says, verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In other words, he says, we knew Jesus in the flesh, but now we don't know him in the flesh anymore. We know him in the spirit. In the same way, we know people by the spirit. In the spirit, we don't look at people in the flesh. And what is he saying? That means that if any man is in Christ Jesus, any man believes in Jesus and surrenders his life to Jesus, what happens to him? He is a new creature. He is is a totally new man and the word new creature uh, in the Greek it means a, a new species of being that has never existed before so we are new species that has never existed before behold all things have become new all things have passed away all things have become new now this is very striking because uh, because if you in the mindset of the Jews there were basically three kinds of people on this earth. And one kind of person is uh, the Jew and the other was the Gentile. They were basically, you know, you can look at people by, oh, there's, uh, there's, the, there's the Arabs, there's the Jews, there's the Chinese, and there's, uh, you know, there's Africans. You can look at people by race or you can look at people by nationality, you know, Swedish or, or German or Mexican or whatever. But the Bible, God I mean, the Jewish people looked at people. There were two kinds of people, the Jew and the Gentiles. So there were the Jews and the Gentiles. Then suddenly came a third kind of person into the equation, and that is a new creature. A new creature is somebody who could, who could have been a Jew, could have been a Gentile, but he is in Christ Jesus and he has experienced this new birth. He was physically, he could have been born a Jew or a Gentile, but in the spirit, he is born again. He's a new creature. That means he's a totally 
new species of being that has never existed before. You know, the Bible says this. That's why Peter, Paul said there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no Gentile, but there's a new creation in Christ Jesus. So this new creation in Christ Jesus are people who were formerly Jews or formerly Gentiles. And now they're in Christ and have experienced this wonderful new birth in which they are born not of man, but they're born of God. And so they are a new creation. This is a new species of human beings on this earth that has never existed before and it says about them all things are passed away that means that from the time they received Jesus and they became a new creature whatever was before that it doesn't exist anymore their national distinction their racial distinction their ethnic distinction it doesn't exist anymore but all things are become new that means everything has become new and then it says in verse 18 and all things are of God that means everything about them is of God they're totally new who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation that means that God has reconciled to himself through Christ Jesus and he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That means that through the cross of Jesus, he has reconciled us to himself and he has given us the message, the ministry of telling other people that God has already taken your, put your sins upon Jesus. All you need to do is to come to Jesus, come under the Lordship of Jesus and be reconciled to God. Hallelujah. Then John 16 verse 23 says, and in that day, you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So he says, in that day, you shall ask me nothing. That means that until that point, if the disciples need anything, they ask Jesus directly. Everybody came to Jesus directly and asked him, say, you know, disciples and even the non-disciples, if the disciples uh, you know, remember when the when Jesus fed the you know uh, preached to those five thousand people plus women and children. We call it the miracle of the fe miracle of feeding the five thousand. And um, actually, historians say that looking by the judging by the size of the families those days, the Bible actually says there were five thousand men beside women and children. That means there should have been twenty thousand people. But anyway, but Jesus, uh, the disciples came to Jesus and said, "Jesus, these people are hungry." So people came directly to Jesus, asking them. And you remember the leper who says, "Lord, if you will, I be, I, you know, make me clean." And people used to touch Jesus if they wanted to be healed. They would come to him and ask him for to heal them, you know, and the Phoenician woman who came to Jesus knelt at his feet and says, a master, help my daughter. So everybody came to Jesus. And now Jesus is saying, in that day, you shall ask me nothing. He says, you have been asking me to do things for you, but there will come a day in which you are not going to ask me for anything. He says, surely or verily, verily, I say unto you, say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the father, in my name, he will give it to you. So Jesus is saying that so far you've been asking me for what you need, but a day is coming when you will not ask me, but you shall ask my father 
in my name. That means you shall, instead of coming to me and say, Jesus, do this for me, you shall go to the Father and say, Father, please do this for me in the name of Jesus. So that means that we shall no longer ask Jesus directly, but we shall ask the Father in his name. And then he says, he will give it to you. That means that through Jesus and through his name, we have direct access to the Father. And that is the blessing of sonship. So this is a blessing. Sonship is a blessing there that they did not have in the Old Covenant. Now, interestingly, if you read the Old Testament, there are scriptures that actually say that that, that, that God was the father of Israel, that the Israelites were actually sons. The Bible says that. But that was a different kind of sonship. That there wasn't a new birth involved. There wasn't a change uh, of nature involved. There was no impartation of the divine nature involved. There was nothing of that sort. I think it was more of an honorary or honorific kind of sonship. But although God does refer to Israel as a son. Now, it was not an individual sonship that every Israelite was a son and thus as such he could have a direct relationship with God. It was Israel collectively that was a son. It was the nation itself collected and there is a difference because for us, uh, God, we have an individual relationship with the Father uh, and he is our God and we are his sons. We are the sons of God. But the Israel, uh, the relationship that Israel had with God, the sonship, it was a collective sonship. But still, the interesting thing is that the Israelites never referred to God as their father. So that is why they tried to kill Jesus. When Jesus referred to God as his father, they got mad at him because you just didn't do that. So, so there's a huge difference. So this is a new covenant blessing in which not only is God our father, but we are sons of God by a new birth, which is as real as a physical birth. It's not an honorary, honorary or honorific, honorific birth, but it is a real birth. It's we have become partakers of the divine nature. We actually become sons of God and we are born of God and all things uh, in our lives have been passed away and God doesn't remember them anymore and everything has been become new. And not only that, but we have right and the, the right and direct access to the Father through Jesus Christ. We come to the Father through the name of Jesus. And he says, whatsoever. I mean, just imagine Jesus is saying to us, to you and to me, that whatsoever, that means anything, anything, anything you and I need, you come to the Father and it says he will give it to you. What a wonderful promise that we have. So this is one of the great uh, promises in the new covenant that the people in the old covenant didn't enjoy. That means we are born again. We are actually sons of God, not just by name, not as an honorific or uh, honorary sons of God, but we are the actual sons of God. We are born of the spirit of God through Jesus Christ. And we are called a new creation in Christ Jesus all things are passed away. All things have become new. And not only that, but we have a relationship with the Father. We can walk with the Father. We can talk to the Father. We can hear his voice. And whatsoever we shall ask him, he will give it to us. So that is the first blessing 
in the new covenant that the people in the old covenant did not enjoy. So uh, with that, I finish and we'll continue tomorrow. Okay, but let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who can hear my voice. I ask you to continue doing a great work in their lives. May they know you and have a strong walk with you and may they be blessed in all things in the name of Jesus. Meet all their needs, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you and I'll see you again tomorrow.